Awesome. So we're back here today again with Come On Mock uh, to do a kind of reverse interview thing. I'm taking over the the Toddcast once again. Uh, this is Anthony. Um, and we're going to kind of dig more into what it is to be Come On and what your life experience has been and what your uh, outlook on the world is. And uh, I think uh, our first session to, uh, was absolutely revel revelatory. And uh, I'm excited to learn more. Uh, so let's just start off with uh, kind of a silly question, we'll say. <laughs> okay. uh, can you tell me something? Uh, what is an embarrassing moment that you've experienced in your life? <laughs> uh, I do remember one. It was really embarrassing. Let's uh, hear it. This is the tell-all <laughs> tale of Come On. Okay. I th It was, um, I can't remember what event it was, but it was um, at this event, um, CAK, which is like this, I think it was um, some kind of topic about Africa or something. Mm. Um, and then there were, there were mothers and children and everything. Um, and I need the toilet. So my daughter was very, very young. Uh, she was a toddler age. I think she was, must have been like one or two. Okay. So we were inside and I realized that the door doesn't have a lock, but I really need the toilet. Oh <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, I am like hoping to God that if I'm going to the toilet, no one's going to open this door. <laughs> so, so basically what happened was, is like, I did go to the toilet with my daughter um, and then this, <laughs> this horrible thing happened was that this girl opened this little girl oh. with the mother cave over the door and then obviously when she opened the door it was looking out to other tables <gasps> where there are mo oh. other mothers <laughs> <Thank God. laughs> I was like shut the door <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh shit. Oh, what a uh, moment of panic. And I literally, basically, after that, I just dragged my daughter. I just went because I, I felt so embarrassed. You I didn't couldn't want to. Face I, yeah, I couldn't look at everyone <laughs> there. Um, I'm pretty much sure that everyone didn't re remember me at that point. But it's just, it was just the fact that. Um, I just remember this door opening and this little girl looked at me and the mother looked at me and I'm like going, oh. yes, <laughs> shut the door now. <laughs> and, and so much innocence behind the, the little girl's action. I mean, you couldn't even get mad at her because she was just doing what she I, thought she what was I, doing. I was mad at the, the, the organizer and the, the place. The, sure, it's, it's like not. going, how did you not get the door fixed oh. on the toilet? Um, it's like there's, you know, and there were no other toilet available at that time. It was just this toilet there and there's no lock on it. And it was... It, I, I don't know. It was. It was just. Yeah, that was that was like one of my most embarrassing moments in my life. That is hilarious. <laughs> I, 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 I'm mortified. It is mortified, but thank you for sharing that. It's so um, it's so refreshing because I think uh, often we see our idols and our heroes and the people we hold uh, to like a high standard, a high value in our life. We forget <laughs> that they have these really humiliating experiences. I'm gonna like have to everyone. ask you one day what was yes, your yes. on, on my next interview <laughs> at the podcast. Uh, uh, that will be on the question list. I'll have to start thinking of something now. <laughs> yeah. All right, let's move from uh, embarrassment to love. Mm. Mm. Uh, can you tell me about what sort of role love and affection has in your life? Oh, uh, it has a very big one. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, f for me, it's, you know, I didn't feel like I had my mother's love. And then when it came to my daughter's father, um, and he broke my heart very badly, um, and with all those experiences, with that deficit of love, you, you want 
to find love. You know, mm. you want that love to heal you in some ways. Um, but over the years, I find that, you know, sometimes you, you need to find your own happiness and you not necessarily need to um, have someone to offer you that love. And mm. that love can ha- take many different forms. You know, it could be like a, a really good friendship bond. It could be, you know, your daughter's love for you. And it's, you know, I, st- I started um, understanding the, the kind of different layers of, of love um, in, in that sense. Um, and not needing to have this... Um, pressure on mm. the other partner right, as to 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 love me in a way that i i need them to love me um mm. in that sense so it does it, it is a lot um uh, I, I guess everyone is searching for that love i sometimes describe that we're we're in a society where um we're walking around with broken hearts mm, mm. and um and it's really hard to kind of um trust the other person to take care of you to love you in in a way yeah. but i think also for, for me it's learning to love yourself mm, mm. i think that is the most fundamental part is how do you love yourself you know because then when you can love yourself you cannot love another person right. um too so so yeah it does have a huge impact for me because i mm. I, I i know i crave for that love which means that i i'm very susceptible to bad boys <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so, I got you. so i think like um you know being mindful of that is actually mm-hmm. a good thing because i've seen people who um you know i i guess from my own experience i can see younger generation perhaps walking in that direction or you know um or people around me in general that i can tell that um they have this type of deficit and they crave for this and they don't want any strings attached in mm. in in their in any of their kind of uh, encounter relationships and all that but this is coming from fear you know to I fear see. um so for me it's like love is a good thing it can be painful is a bit of everything and i think like what is so funny about love is that you still have a lot of writers who's writing about this topic and we still don't know what the hell that is. <laughs> still have not figured it out. <laughs> it's like, what yeah. the hell is it, you know? Yeah. And I think I'm continuously trying to figure this out myself, I you know, see. so, yeah. Well, I think you hit on a couple <laughs> of interesting things there that I want to kind of, I want to talk more about because yeah. you, you connected love and need and I think that's a really important way of understanding love. But you also talked about love in different ways. And so I'm wondering, like, what other kind of words do you use when you talk about your feelings, about these sorts of feelings, other than the word love? Because we tend to kind of overuse it or use love to mean a lot of different things. Yeah. So I'm just wondering your take on that, what the different kinds of love that exist in your life. Mm, I think it's it's interesting because it's like in my culture, Mm -hmm. um, Chinese culture, um, parents would ask, have you eaten? Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, and for a long time, I didn't really understand that. You know, when you're growing up in the West, like, um, you know, you kind of feel like, oh, that's, you're just looking at how I'm doing, basically. Yeah. But in the Chinese context, it's actually uh, an, another expression for love for oh. your child. Mm. So if, you're, if your parents asking you, you know, have you eaten, you know, um, you know, put on a warm coat, it's an expression of love. Nice. So it's, it's like, it's not so much as the wording, it's kind of the, the action Mm. you know love is an action you know what is that action and how is interpreted Mm -hmm. so i kind of gain that knowledge in some ways um understanding um that's what you know uh, my parents meant and you know when they asked me um have i eaten and and things like that um and so it's also the same with my my daughter you know how Mm -hmm. i I love my daughter is like she's expressed um that's how i express my love for her she may not understand it now because she just thinks i'm nagging her (laughs) (laughs) but hopefully one day she'll understand this um 
And I think it's a, a matter of, I think that's one of them is, is this, this motherly love uh, uh, for your yes. child, you know, mm-hmm. um, is like how's that interpreted mm-hmm. in different cultures. Um, and then there's a love for friends, you know, like you care about that person. And um, I was discussing this with a friend of mine the other day and, you know, we're talking about because I suffer from depression and anxiety right. and now every most people would run away from that. You know, sure. they would just see it as taboo. But, you know, with you, you know, mm. you, you're there, you're listening to me and you're, you're completely comfortable about it, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and in, in some cases, you, you will want to learn about this condition as well and how Absolutely. you can help your friend. So for me, is that when I saw my friends try to understand me in that way, mm. I found that that is another deeper level of love that you have for a friend, to mm. care for that friend. Um, so I think this care and empathy, a deeper type of empathy, I think, um, and it's also a feeling, you know, it's, it's, it's sometimes quite hard to put words on, but mm-hmm. it's kind of like the action that uh, goes into, uh, you know, the person that you have um, that you truly care. I mean, I, I do that, you know, I, I would, if a friend of mine tell me she has a condition, mm-hmm. so I have a friend in Germany she has all these different conditions that it was so complex mm-hmm. um, that I had to read it up. I need to understand, like, you know, what is it exactly that? Um, because I'm pretty sure it's time for her to explain to everyone, you know, what her condition is. So uh, for me to kind of take just five minutes to just to read a little bit about it, I start mm-hmm. understanding, like, what she was going through. It's like this muscular ache and then, you know. Um, and also the condition that she was in, because in Germany, there's a higher pressure in, in workplace and she's a doctor. So, oh, wow. so she yeah. coupled on that and on top of that and these layers of things that are happening to her, um, you know, for me, it's writing to her, you know, yeah. as, as a gateway for her to kind of like, um, express herself to someone, mm-hmm. um, as openly and honestly as possible and is still accepting her as she is. Mm-hmm. And I think that has been done to me as well you know from friends that i and i think like in our last session we talked about my friend sarah Mm -hmm. so um she was there for me you know she was you know she kind of dropped everything and she came with Mm -hmm. her father and everything and it's is is that type of love that you have from friends yeah um so i think that's one of that um and i think it's very closely with with colleagues as well i think Mm um you know as a colleague, you want to care for your friend and you're also looking out for them and right. you're looking out for, um, are they developing, developing their career? Are they mm. developing, uh, themselves personally? And you want them to kind of reach, you know, their best and yeah. their potential in, in, in that way. So I think, I think that's kind of how I would describe it in, mm. in words of other types of words, but it's, um, but then, then it is, it's a feeling that you, you, right. you would have, you know. Yeah. Um, it's, it's absolutely fascinating. Okay, so let me, let me give you a, a kind of a hypo- hypothetical scenario. You can okay. go back in time. So the first time you fell in love, how would you kind of coach yourself in the intervening years now that you know what you know? How would you kind of guide uh, the younger you? Don't fall too fast. Okay. <laughs> go slow. <laughs> Make sure you understand if something happens, don't blame it on yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, you know, with me and my daughter's father, we, we took a break. We were engaged, actually. Mm-hmm. And then we broke up and he found someone else. Uh, but I was in the UK. I was finishing off my master's and, um, and I had to take care of my mom, basically, mm-hmm. when she mm-hmm. fell ill. Mm-hmm. So then, you know, obviously he didn't have my affection. He didn't have my love. He didn't have my presence. You know, my head was, my headspace was somewhere else. That for me should have been 
a full stop. Yeah. I shouldn't have, to, I didn't, but he was always on my mind, you know, afterwards, even, you know, when my, you know, when my mother was sick and I was still in, in the UK, I still go back to Oslo trying to rekindle stuff with mm-hmm. him in some ways. Um, and I've tried to, in, in my head, he felt so perfect. Mm. Uh, I didn't see his uh, weaker sides um, yes. or the, the sides that um, would have given me an indication that we're incompatible. Mm, mm, um, mm. So it, it's kind of, you know, love can do so many different things to you that <laughs> it can really blind you. Yeah. Um, and it's only until you really had your first, like, true, true breakup, mm-hmm. then you realize when you're trying to heal from that, like, what the hell do you think? Are you thinking? <laughs> what was that all about <laughs> anyways? <laughs> it didn't make any sense to me now. Yeah. So I think like for me, like for my younger self, it's because I know like back then, my mother was trying to warn me, my sister was trying to warn me, and sure. there, you know, you had many people around me trying to warn me. And even mm-hmm. my dad, when we were driving, he, he literally said like, you know, we all really care about you. We yeah. just don't want you to, you know, take the wrong step. But I think it was because I already didn't have that sort of good relationship with my family anyway at the time. Mm-hmm. So anything that was coming into my ear, I wasn't going to buy it or listen to it. No. But I think if I, if I had someone else, mm-hmm. say for example, if I send myself back there and I say, hey, look, I, I know what you're thinking. I know what's going on in your head. Now you need to really listen to me yeah. because the next step is going to be really tough. So mm. like I struggle a lot because when I had that big separation with my daughter's father, mm. I felt like I gave up a lot for him. Wow. Yeah. Um, and then he walked out on me and I felt like I had no family. Um, I was there with my daughter alone here and I was thinking, what have I done? You know, I have blindly loved someone, uh, came here, had his child and then uh, let him walk away from me like that. Yeah. So I felt this huge sort of abandonment. I already mm. felt that abandonment from my mom. So mm. when he hit, you know, when this hit um, from him, it was a big trauma for me. Um, and I had to really rethink about a lot of things. And, you know, um, it really made me rethink about what love is sure. completely yeah. um, and really rebuild myself. Mm. So like my friend used to say, like, you know, you broke down before you can get back up again mm, you know mm, you you've broken into pieces you can still make a new one or put the pieces together you know so that's kind of the visual in my head like who i am from 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 the love um mm, mm. in that sense so yeah i forgot what the question was but it was just kind of like something that kind of drew me back into to the time so yeah but this is so important, uh, and I'm I'm glad you're you're being so open about the your experiences here because uh, again we don't have enough substantive conversations about this. But I want to turn now from uh, love to sadness. Mm. We talked about embarrassment. We're doing uh, we did uh, <laughs> love, and now I want to turn to sadness. So I want to th- ask you about uh, the last time that you cried in front of another person. I think it was. It must have been. I don't know which one. It, came first though but i think it was to my bosses okay because so i had an i sort of like both of my my bosses are i would say that they're slightly spiritual in a sense and they mm-hmm. like being open so i think that gives me that space to to open up and i think nice. that was when i did break down sure, you know because sure. I, I think i felt their love mm-hmm. you know i mm-hmm. felt their their care in yeah. some ways so i think that was when i 
broke down um, in front of them, you know, talking about my past in some ways. Mm. Um, so, but so what, they felt that then. So, what was that, that vulnerability? How did that feel? Oh, it was. It was tough because yeah. I I don't like showing my vulnerability. Right, I, yeah. I know like I'm talking about this very openly, but like that part of me crying mm, is mm, actually instilled to me uh, from my parents, especially my mother. You don't cry in front of people. Right. Yeah. 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 So that is like for me like the fundamental weakness of mm. me. Um, so I try very very hard not to cry. Mm. You know. I mean, I get teary yeah. you know but yeah, i yeah, never yeah. like get the full-on blown because Actually it looks really ugly. <laughs> <laughs> who cries beautifully come on let's let's be honest here it's like okay my makeup's off my eyes are going weird you know yeah. it's like this red uh redness in my eyes and everything so um uh but how scared so, were you when you when you felt that intense feeling of sadness and you're around you're in kind of a public setting hmm. did you feel fear i mean I felt like I didn't know how the other person would take it. Okay. There's always like this fear in my head is that, you know, because I, I think like because I cried in front of my mom mm. when I was young and then, you know, she ended up slapping me and saying like, mm. you know, mm. don't cry, you know, you need to be strong. Um, and I felt like I, I couldn't have that vulnerability yeah. um, because it's always a negative feedback. So if you have this negative feedback at a young age, you end up thinking like crying is a bad thing. Yeah. So... At my age now, um, when I do do cry, it's kind of a bit of a tug of war in my head. It's like I'm still feeling like this negative feedback that I'm going to get punished. Right. And I don't know whether my friend can take it or my bosses will take it, mm -hmm. you know. Mm -hmm. um, and so far, it has been, people have been quite open, but I'm often at the back of my mind and in my heart, like going, I'm waiting for them to reject me. I see. Yeah. I'm waiting for them to say you're too much yeah, and they just walk away because mm -hmm. I've had that done many times. So mm -hmm. I understand. Mm -hmm. Thank you for sharing that. That's uh, it's touching <laughs> it's, and it's nice to know that uh, even though it's scary and even though like, um, you know, it's not exactly something you embraced, but it was something that you did mm -hmm. and that, it, you know, the experience was okay in the end. Uh, I think that's, that's really important. Mm -hmm. uh, thank you for sharing that. Um, what about crying by yourself? What was the last <laughs> time you cried on your own? This week, actually. This week? Okay. Yeah. Is it something that you're comfortable sharing? Yeah. So, so, so basically I think it's, um, I think this week was not just so much stress with work, mm -hmm. but it's also because um, it was my birthday yesterday. So, yes. So Happy belated <laughs> birthday, by the way. <laughs> so so for me, it was, I don't know why, I felt this deep loneliness inside of me. Um, I think it's because I haven't been able to see my, my family back in England mm -hmm. and also the pandemic and everything, it was started to crush on me. Yeah. Um, and it's, you know, I started, and also I think it's because it's winter coming up, so there's a, like you know, a combination of so many different things this week. And, and I had to get a drink. <laughs> so okay. um, I had this anxiety started piling up inside of my head. And, you know, this is not what I want people to do. Do not get alcohol just to, um, you know, as a medication type of thing for right, your depression right. and everything. Do get professional help. Absolutely. But, but what I'm saying is that, you know, I, I actually decided that I, I needed to get a drink and I got mm. a drink, you know, and it did calm myself down. But yeah. it also opened up like, um, a lot of the feelings that I've been trying very hard not to show. Yeah. And I think like 
it just went bam. (laughs) So, you know, after drinks, I was just like bawling my eyes out. You know, I was listening to Khalid at a moment. And and, um, music has a very powerful way of calming me. You know, if if, if right now it's Khalid before it was Mm. like um, Haven. Uh, But right now when I was listening to to Khalid, it was able to kind of keep my emotional uh, in check. But it also allows me to get in touch with my feelings mm-hmm, and like mm-hmm. going it's like finding calm in the storm yeah, in my head sure, sure. it is kind of it's so when i was crying it's kind of like i'm trying to figure out why am i crying what why am i feeling this way and just kind of whew, let it all out yeah, you know yeah. so and then once that out i was able to kind of manage myself a little better because i think it's just this relief inside of me that sure. it needed to come out and i think like i have a I guess this is a bad habit where you just trying to bottle things up as much mm. as you can mm. um, until it, your you know your bottle basically breaks yeah. and then you just kind of <laughs> you know uh, and I, I think that was kind of what happened um, and I think it was you know for me just having that um, uh, that cry um, mm. to to kind of be with myself for a bit and sure. just you know recollect and you know figure out who I am again and, mm. and, you know, uh, and stop saying that I'm not good enough, you know, and things mm. like that kind of helped me. And I'm still at the, so I'm kind of feeling like I'm at the end of the storm a little mm. bit now. Mm. So it's uh, feeling a little bit better. Mm. So, yeah. And I know you're doing so much work. You do, you do really incredible work at many different levels. And so I think sometimes when we are engaged in life into that level and uh, at that level, then it's difficult to find space for feeling, for processing those emotions. Right. So I'm wondering, on a daily basis, what sort of space do you have to process any kind of feelings? Um, so I had several. I, I try to actually, in my calendar, um, really take one day off where okay. I don't do nothing. Sure. Um, but sometimes because of the deadlines and because of the collaboration work, it, it's, it's very, very tough now. Um, but every single time, if I'm traveling somewhere, like, mm. you know, when I'm on the bus and on the tram here, yeah, I was yeah. continuously listening to Khalid on replay okay. again and again. It's kind of my little meditation. <laughs> sure, <laughs> so, sure. And even walking and, you know, it's it's really, I love walking, actually. Mm, I really mm, love mm. it um, because um, that is where I can really have that space to kind of feel uh, what's happening. Mm. And sometimes I have to force, I have to force like, you know, a, a space, a time. Mm, so mm. this week I had to, I literally said uh, I can turn up to a workshop because okay. it's um, because I need that headspace, you yep. know, just to to kind of um, uh, gather myself because I know I had a big day mm-hmm. um, on Thursday, which um, I was a moderator for a sort of a European conference um, on family education, mm-hmm. and this was um, and. Um, it was between Germany, Sweden, and Norway. Yeah. So I had to perform my best, and I need to be having that headspace. Right, right. Um, and, uh, and I was trying to figure out how I can have those headspace as well. And thankfully, the, there were these breaks, you know, in between the conferences. And I played Khalid, and everyone loved it. <laughs> so nice, so nice. That, that, that helped as well, you know. <laughs> um, so, uh, but it's, it's trying to find those moments in your very busy schedule and just be in that moment and be very, very present in that moment and not get disturbed. Mm. Um, you know, I, I literally would turn off my Wi-Fi mm. and everything unless it's like, I know like if people SMS me, it, mm. it's often mm. very important and I'll pick it up, but I would turn everything off. Um, mm. and then just 
having that headspace to go from one place to the other and take, you know, especially when I have my daughter, it's really hard mm. to do that. So my transport time, I don't have that headspace. No. So I take my daughter early to school so that I have like at least half an hour where I'm just drinking my coffee and just listening to Khalid, you know, on replay for half an hour for my head to kind of just calm down. Right. Um, and then that works because it sometimes it gets so bad um, mm. that I need to force in those moments. Um, so that time for just me yeah. um, and no one else. So it's really just about self-care. It yeah, it is. Like. It is. It is self-care. And, you know, I'm being open. I, I've been, I'm becoming much, much more open to people around me um, because I want them to know that this is my headspace right now. This is, I'm not performing at my 100% best right now, nice. but yeah. I am trying uh, and I'm here because mm -hmm. I know you need me. Mm -hmm. um, but I will walk away if, if, if I feel like this is too much for me, yeah, you know, definitely. and I think I've been quite lucky of the people that I have been open up with um, understands that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but before that, I didn't, no. you know, so I, I'm very, very conscious of the people I work with mm. because I need them to know that I can still perform my best, my mm. professional, but I just also need time. Like yeah. I just need to reschedule things, you absolutely. know, and, and still get th something done. Yeah. I think that was kind of something like a lot of people around me seeing that I can do mm. a lot of stuff. Mm. Um, but it's because I, I try to, keep those spaces in mm, between so mm. that I can still have it. Um, and yeah. I want to go more into this because uh, you, you talked about forcing the space in your life so you can process your feelings and so you can kind of exercise self-care. Take me through that. I want to know what it's like for you uh, leading up to that time, that decision, what it's like to make that decision and then what it's like in the aftermath of that decision. So... Um, yeah, so this week, you know, I had these meetings, um, um, and, uh, I already felt something was coming, um, uh, on the Sunday night that this sort of storm coming into my mind mm -hmm. and I starting to feel a lot of weight around my arm. So it feels like having, you know, two kilos of sugar tied on your arms and yeah. you're kind of, um, walking around with that and you still have you have to take so much more effort to just focus on something. Mm. Um, and then I realized, okay, something's happening. Um, and then on the Monday when I had this meeting, I was feeling agitated. Mm. I was feeling frustrated. And I said that, okay, this is really bad now. And for me, when I know that I started having suicidal thoughts mm -hmm. is when I know I need to really force time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it didn't matter if it didn't matter at that time if my boss is going to get angry with me or my colleague's going to get angry with me or my partner's going to get angry with me. Right. Um, I had to, because I, I have been in that situation where I want to keep up this image again mm, and again mm, and again. Mm. And it only made it so worse that I had to take months off instead of just days off, yeah. you know. And I did, I, it was a back and forth in my head. It's like, can I, should I turn up? Should I not? Should I turn up? Should I not? And I remember like talking to a friend of mine and it's like, and he didn't quite understand me at that time, but he was kind of a bit frustrated with me. <laughs> he was just like, um, "If you don't feel good, don't go then. Yeah. What, 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 what are you processing? What are, what are you, what are you anxious about? What are you, what are you, what are you scared about?" And I was like, "Yeah, I'm scared about you know maybe the boss you know no, won't write me a good reference letter mm -hmm. or a recommendation mm -hmm. letter because um, I've seen that done before." So, and then it's like because in my head I have this priority that I always take my mental health first that 
I go through the value list in my head and going like, is this helping me to mm. move forward? Mm, 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 mm. If this isn't, then maybe I should not turn up, yeah. you know, um, and I'll take that consequence, whatever it is, because I always think that I can always find money again yeah, is, sure. is not something that I had a lot of fear back then. Like I'm, I'm not going to find money again because, you know, I don't have a testimonial. I don't have mm. this and that, but my work speaks for itself. And then, yeah. you know, and I think I'm in a, very um good area where my my work is published mm. so you just need to google me yeah, <laughs> you'll, yeah, you'll, you'll yeah. find me even my sis, my my daughter uh googled me which is funny <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, so oh. uh she yeah and so 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 for me it, and then I, and then make it, when i make that decision it's kind of a bit like what exactly am i giving up right you know if i'm giving up my health then i know like i i need to drop this mm. but it doesn't mean that you shouldn't be um, professional about it you know mm -hmm. it's like i often try to anticipate um my reaction to something and i tell my boss it's like i can't do this yeah. like i need a break or something and mm -hmm. then um they already have the sort of mental capacity and the kind of management uh, around you know knowing that i may not be able to get this deadline done right. on this week or something mm -hmm. um, so that they can keep planning their businesses and so mm -hmm. forth and still moving forward even though I am suffering in, in some ways. Mm. Um, and then once I schedule those in and I just, you know, counsel these meetings and so forth. Um, and then it's just a matter of me trying to um, ride it out, basically, mm. because I think it's it's something inside my mind that it needs to, it needs that time. And I don't know how long that it will take, but I know like if I take the time now, the it won't be a drag mm. in the mm. future. So... And so now, like having, you know, having those those headspaces and also headspaces this week, you know, mm -hmm. I haven't really done that much work, mm -hmm. but um, I know that I, uh, as soon as I get better, I know I can jump back into it better. Mm -hmm. Is to go through a lot of different things that, you know, these exercises in your head, mm -hmm. um, and for me, it's like running a marathon. Yeah, sure. You don't need uh, for me. It's like I sometimes don't need to go to the gym because, like, mm -hmm. mentally, I'm it feels like i'm in meditation state you yeah, know? i'm yeah. kind of like feel like a monk in a cave or something you know yeah. and you're just kind of sitting there either you're lying down and you're kind of really writing out the storm that's going on in your head and you're trying to accept it you're accepting the sadness or the frustration the irritation and so forth um and then once you write that out and this this type of calmness comes settles in okay. um and I'm trying to sleep better. I'm trying to eat better. So I'm trying to do the full, you know, self-care, as you say. Mm -hmm. And once you're after that, um, in the aftermath, it's, it's kind of, then I start telling people, you know, sometimes I, I don't have the time to tell people what I'm going through. But it's, and I was like, yeah, um, I, I've been going through a tough week. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm sorry for letting you down on, on this, this day or this, you know, this time. And been radio silence to you or anything mm -hmm. like that. Um but it's because I, I was just trying to take care of myself, but you know, wow. I'll, I'll be coming back for it. So, um, that's, that's really, uh, it's inspiring. Uh, I'm wondering how do you cope sort of with the feelings of guilt that might come up during this time of maybe not being able to be there for a friend or a colleague in the way that you've kind of hoped that you would be there. How do you process those feelings of guilt that may come afterwards uh, not being able to kind of uh, fulfill those responsibilities? Yeah, so I take a lot of deep breaths okay. um, once those thoughts come in. Mm -hmm. um, 
and I start thinking the first rule of first aid, you know, mm. um, where you need to be able to save yourself, know that you're in a safe place before you save another person. So I kind of apply that to this as well. Like if you are in such a bad place, what makes you think you can also help the other person? Yeah. Okay. Or how, how can you, you know, be there because even like with these workshops and you know these team meetings and stuff is that they they need you to contribute you're serving their purpose you're serving their mission Mm -hmm. um but if you can't serve their mission um if you can't be your whole then there's no point you know um and i just rather just come out saying that to them uh than to kind of keep forcing myself but go into vicious cycle where you know, the price of guilt is not as high as the price of me losing my mind. Yeah, that's the truth. So I don't want to lose my mind because I've been there mm. and I have been at the bottom of the bottom. Mm-hmm. Um, and having been that and know how hard it was for me to get out of that, um, I'm always keeping myself in check and I, I'm, I'm making that as my number one rule, mm. um, not to um, allow things... Uh, to get out of the hand, you yeah. know, mentally. So that's uh, very, I, it's very helpful. It's uh, it's helpful for me. I'm sure other people find um, value in that. Uh, let's move to different uh, subjects of, uh, of seriousness and joking. Uh, I wonder if there's any topics or anything that you think is too serious to kind of make fun of or too serious to joke about. I think there's so many different things. So it's obviously, you know, you, sh- you shouldn't joke about someone who's going through depression if they tell you, right? Right. You know, you, you should never joke about these things. Mm-hmm. Um, and you shouldn't joke about, you know, if you know that I I have an issue with racism or if you know that I have issues with immigrants, uh, the potentialness of them becoming slaves or anything like mm-hmm. that, you shouldn't joke about these things either. Okay. So there was a discussion, I wouldn't say who, but it's just one of the members uh, talked about maybe you should get an au pair to help you out. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I didn't find that I didn't find that a joke No, for me mm-hmm. because you're talking about someone's life yep. who those au pairs send money back to their family and also they're here for a reason and for the labor market because that's the only way they can find money but their lives are harsh you know i don't find that uh, a nice joke Mm -hmm. i don't think it's a joke to mention someone's uh color of skin or kind of so there's one thing that happened to me where i didn't know a british slang Mm -hmm. um, or a phrase a phrase that they use Mm -hmm. and the person was like so you're not really that british then basically and Mm -hmm. i didn't find that joke it was like oh i'm just joking i said i didn't find that joking that's racial microaggression yeah sure, sure you know i don't think it's uh, a joke like recently i'm in this um sort of norwegian mm. language learning facebook group okay and i saw this image cartoon of so it's in norwegian saying you know something that kids say a lot mm-hmm. um something like um uh, harder than gumla chocolate yeah, which basically yeah. like, uh, uh goodbye you old chocolate yeah, yeah and yeah. in the cartoon it showed the black man Ooh. And now I, I, I was contemplating because it was my birthday yesterday, like, should I say something or not? Yeah, because I knew like sure. when I say something, one is a Facebook group full of a lot of white people. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. So you're going to get backlash. Mm. You're going to get the, the trolls. You're going to get people saying like, you're being too sensitive. Uh, you're being too um, politically correct. And, and mm. all these things, everything's going to fight for you. And I was 
even disappointed with the educator who literally said, chill. Wow. And I was like, no, I don't want to chill. But I had to kind of get myself in check and I'm going to go like, um, how much energy should I invest in this? But then when I had two other people who also agreed with me, I felt like I had the energy back to kind of continue that conversation. Um, Because I was going to say, I'm walking out of this conversation because this is not very uh, productive um, and you're not learning. And I did get a lot of attacks um, uh, in those messages. So I don't find that as a joke. So I, because the fact that maybe it, maybe it, I don't know what the history is of Mm. this, of this, this way of children teasing adults, but the fact that that cartoon had a black man in it, I felt completely not okay with it. Um, And, and so that is something I will teach my daughter Mm -hmm. um, not to use that teasing because i feel like sometimes those teasing can go into bullying yeah and definitely. going down to silencing minorities and this character type where you you're you're laughing at mm. them you're laughing at their their skin color yeah, basically yeah, yeah. and i'm not okay with that because yeah. it's just like someone saying ching chong ching chong there's a yeah. lot of kids did that to me when i was growing up in the uk mm, mm, uh, they think it was fun they mm. thought it was teasing me mm. but actually you are pinpointing my skin color yeah that's why you did that but you wouldn't do that with a white person right right so it's like those are the things that for me those jokes are not okay Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. i I find those things pretty serious and i think like you know when people tell me don't take it so seriously yeah is when i get even more pissed off yeah and then i feel like i need to walk away you know um you don't get it Mm -hmm. and you know, well, you, it yeah. invalidates your experience by saying that. Yeah, exactly. Right? Oh, you're being too sensitive. Well, no, you're not even recognizing that I could have an emotional response to what you've said. Right, exactly. Yeah, exactly. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. but No, uh, no, no, no. <laughs> all right, uh, let's turn uh, now to the future. If, uh, if you could know anything about your future, what would you want to know? That's a very interesting question because, like, I think I, re- I remember telling you this, like, during uh, the pandemic, like, one of the things I did was actually look in tarot cards. <laughs> okay, yes, yes, I remember you mentioned that. <laughs> and I yeah, felt like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I thought it was funny because, you know, with a scientific background, you know, why the heck well, would yeah, you do that, you know? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I was like, I feel so ashamed. But anyway, yeah. but it's this, <laughs> but it's that is thing I was curious, you know, um, because I was having all the questions about, my life in general like there's so much stuff i'm rethinking about you know uh, about the meaning of things you know love is one of them marriage Mm. is another and and so forth um and my career in general so i started thinking what do i want to know in the future i think sometimes i really want to know when i'm gonna die really yeah i think people are so afraid of death Mm, mm, but mm, i'm mm. not no because then i know my time limit Ah, you can Be- plan accordingly. Yeah. <laughs> so, so you know, my mother died with motor neuron disease, and you mm-hmm. know, there is sort of this chance that I may have it. Yeah. Sure. You know, she died in her fifties. Wow. So before that, because I, you know, there was no—I mean, I know that there were some um, genetic tests, but I think it's pretty expensive. Mm-hmm. But I also—I walked around after my mother's death, thinking that I may not have a lot of time left. I so I kind of worked my my life um, to that point to. Mm-hmm to making my days count, you know, mm-hmm. and I try not to dwell on too many of things. Mm-hmm. So I think for me, knowing that I can plan ahead because I need to, I want to make sure that my daughter's okay. Mm. I don't want her to feel crappy. Of course, she's going to feel crappy because I'm her mom. She's going to feel <laughs> feel sad. Uh, but I don't want like her to walk away um, not 
you know, I want to give her the wisdom that I can give her now yeah. from all the experience that I'm going through, but also for her to, to in, 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 in times to kind of let me go. Cause I know like some people have, you know, when they lose someone very close to them, they go out of control, you yeah, know? Um, and I want her to, I think it might be too, be harsh for me to tell her I want her to be okay, but I know she's not going to be quite yeah, okay when yeah, I die, yeah. but it's just like, I, I want to make sure that, you know, financially she's okay, that I am leaving with her some, some, some inheritance, um, that financially, you know, if she didn't need to take the, those days off or whatever mm. she can, um, she can. Um, and you know, when you die, <laughs> your funeral is expensive too. Oh, of course. Yeah. <laughs> and for me, I still don't know what to do, you know, if, with my ashes and, and so forth, because, um, you know, if, if I die, you know, what do I want to do, yeah, you know, and, yeah. and the cost of it is expensive. You know, when my mother passed away and we were like, holy crap, yeah, <laughs> you know, you know? Uh, and there's not even enough space to, to kind of put an urn somewhere and then to just have that place and earn somewhere. It also costs money. Um, so I want to make sure that, you know, before I die, I've completed some things for the people around me that I care about. Right. Um, I was, I remember like I had a friend of mine and I told them like, um, if I died, what would you say at my funeral? I was like, you're so cruel. Why did you do that? Yeah. To me? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, no, oh, I just kind of want to, you know, prepare you know, my friends about that. And I just realized, okay, maybe that was a bit too cruel. So I, so I started stepping back and not doing that. But it was just kind of like, you know, kind of try to get people to, to, to understand that, you know, there's a legacy that I want to continue. And I see my mission in your mission and in many yeah. of my friends' mission. And I think for me, I hold that as a place where, that we need to continue with that because right. I feel like people kind of die every day. Mm, mm. Um, people get sick every day. Um, and for me, right right now, we have a huge job to do systematically mm. to kind of do something with the educational system, do something with the medical education uh, or the, the medical system and, mm, and so forth, mm, where mm. I feel it's so broken yeah. in my head that I guess like for me, it's a sense of duty mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. So to, to kind of um, make sure that what I'm doing gets passed on to somewhere, either yeah. to, to my daughter, to my friends. And I feel like in that sense, it's me that you can still remember me in the mm -hmm. work that I do and you carry it on. It's like me passing you the torch yeah. to, to keep going. Um, and I want to make sure that my death is not going to cause suff too much suffering right. amongst the people I love, you know. So. Such a beautiful sentiment. <laughs> Good Lord. Uh, I really appreciate you saying that. Um, I'm wondering if there's something that you've dreamed of doing that you haven't gotten to do yet that you would like to do before you die. Oh, there's so many, actually. I'm, I'm kind of keeping this list. Um, so oh. one, of the, one of them is actually racing cars. Really? <laughs> no, I would not have guessed that. Of all the things you could have just said right now, racing cars was not on the list. Not on my list, at least. Uh, Tell me about that. <laughs> what, what is this about racing cars that you find uh, <laughs> compelling? I think it's, it's again like it's testing my my ability to stay calm in the storm. Okay. Because when you're racing, you need to be able to um, change gears as fast and make sure that you're you're doing it safely as well, and mm -hmm. that you're not turning too too much that you're gonna your car's gonna flip and things like that. Sure. So I, I find that. I don't know, exhilarating. <laughs> You're really giving this some thought. I, I thought it was just gonna be like, I just want to go fast. <laughs> it's um, uh, and it's 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 also like that freedom, you know, the freedom that you feel okay. like being in control right of on. the 
on those moments. It's the same like for me wanting to become a pilot, you know, in the beginning, like um, this idea that you can fly and you, you're kind of facing your demons. Mm, mm, mm. So so for me, it's it's kind of it kind of works in the same same sense. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So so that's one of them, you know, that's before hilarious. I die. Um, writing a book is another, of okay, course. You know, okay. that's something I really want to do. Yeah. Write a book before. What would and the book be about? I think the book would be something that could make an impact somehow, okay. like maybe a, a documentation of my life, I guess. Because like, I, for me, again, it goes back to like, I want to leave something for mm, my daughter mm, or leave mm, something mm. for my friends or people sure. who are going through something that hopefully they take something away. Uh, but also it's kind of, in my head, it's always been this idea of trying to, make sense of history mm, 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 as well so for me it's something that i like to do like going into the chinese diaspora here um there's not much of history of it here so i really would love to get, write a book about the lives of chinese mm, who are living in mm, norway mm, mm, mm. so it's, it's just something like that along on, on the lines um and i can't remember what the other one was but obviously some of them is kind of quite dreamy because i don't think i would get it done but it's like before i die i really want to um eradicate racism Okay. I want to eradicate, you know, the unnecessary suffering that we see in the world. That's amazing. <laughs> but I know, like, everyone thinks I'm crazy when I do that. But that sure. is in my head. But yeah, I yeah, really yeah. want to get this. <laughs> you know, to, it's like we live in a goddamn century mm. where we have technology. Mm. We have all the intelligence in the world mm. to to not even have such a thing exist. Yeah. You know, I don't understand why in some areas where kids can't get vaccinated or get sick mm. we have technology for that we have medicine for that yeah. but the people who are putting this barrier down are people who are greedy yeah. and who yeah. wants power yeah. and who wants to rage war mm. and i just don't get it mm. you know and mm. i just wish i can click my, my 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 fingers and and just take away all the suffering take yeah. away all this 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 crappiness that i, I see in the world sometimes yeah. 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 so um, if you were going to die today, okay, no, it's not a threat. I just want to be clear. <laughs> but if you were to know that you were going to die today, um, is there anything that you would have, that you would regret not having told someone? Hmm. That's a good question. Um, I don't think I do because I try to say what's my mind all the time with all the people around me. Yeah. So if I, if I, you know, I tell my daughter I love her mm. every single time, you know, I see her when she leaves for school, mm. I want her to know that, yeah. you know. And people who I had problems with, they would have heard what I had to say. I think I would want to, because I don't have so much conversations with um, two of my family members in Hong mm. Kong that mm. much. But they're always on the back of my mind. Yeah. So my oldest aunt, where we call Yima, and my my uh, my cousin um uh, both of them have been a, a significant part of my life mm -hmm. uh, in some ways to to kind of be my anchor uh when things gone pretty bad sometimes so i think like for me like i would love to tell them um how much they mean to me mm -hmm. i think i think they they are the ones that i don't say enough to them yeah. um but it's also very hard because it's this Chinese culture again. You mm. you do by action rather yeah. than you say. So it's it's still like um, quite a new thing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, sure. You know, sure. when I see my dad, you know, I already hug him. Mm. I tell him, you know, take care of yourself, and you know, I talk to him uh, on a weekly basis. Mm. So 
I tell him as much of the things that I have on my mind. So I feel mm. like, you know, if I do leave, you know, I, I th- he knows that I care about him. Yeah. Um, but I think my, my aunt and my cousin doesn't really know yet. Mm. So I think that would be that. You know, I, I try to be as honest uh, and open to, to what's on my mind all the time with people. Mm. What so. would you want to tell yourself in those final moments? I would say, I think it, it, if it's to myself, I would say you can now let go. That's amazing. <laughs> Um, okay. I, I feel bad now about asking you any more <laughs> questions because that would just be such a beautiful way to end this. Uh, let, let's, let's, uh, ask, um, if your house was going to be destroyed today, mm. uh, and you had just maybe a minute or two to run in there, grab something, Hazel's okay. You're okay. Any pets and everybody's okay. Uh, all the living, breathing, uh, th- <laughs> things are, are taken care of. Yeah. Um, but you want to save one thing. What would you run back in and get? Oh, this is interesting because in my head, like I have two things. One's a bit more practical <laughs> <laughs> because like, oh, the one thing that comes to mind is my passports and my daughter's passports. Okay. <laughs> That's the practical <laughs> one. <laughs> yeah. yes. Because, you know, if you, when you lose these things is, is, you know, in this type of climate politically, you know, mm-hmm. they can really strip your, your identity. And I find, I find oh, that wow. fearful in my head. Yeah. So I think that's something in my head. But if we were, if we were to take that with us already, I think um, the other thing, I'm not quite sure. I think for me, it could be, I feel like, it, like in my head, like I have this one book mm-hmm. that I want to keep because it has so much memory towards it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's called um, Sasha and the Wolf Cub. Okay. I don't know why. I think in my head that that one book came to mind that I want to take with me. Wow. Um, and, and what the book was about, uh, it's not published anymore, I don't think. Um, but it was a book my mother sort of gave me. I don't think she knew what the story was, but I, we were mm. at this sort of bookstore and I like, oh, I like that. <laughs> I like that book. It looks nice. So I was, um, so she gave it to me, but I realized that the book has such deeper meaning. Mm. So I felt that I was this wolf cub. Yeah, sure, sure. You know, um, and this boy uh, founds a wolf cub in this cabin. Um, obviously, the boy was a bit lost as well. Um, and this wolf cub was so hurt. And, uh, you know, he, this wolf cub has been hurt by humans. Mm. Um, so he doesn't like any human being around him. He was being aggressive and everything. But Sasha would just sit there and just talk to him and sort of take care of the food wolf cub because the wolf cub was injured mm-hmm. um and they became good friends so it was kind of in these two worlds like the wolf cub world where they hate humans and humans hate the wolves mm. and that yet these two very young children uh, the, the wolf cub and the boy managed to to become friends mm. in this climate and and i guess like for me that book represents me sort of waiting for the sasha you know, yeah. someone in my life yeah, sure. that resembles Sasha in that sense. I feel like it's also a story that I can keep pass down to my daughter mm. because I'm pretty sure she will come to a point in her life where she's going to get really, really hurt. Mm. But sometimes you will find that moment of kindness from mm. people, and mm. I, and which I have. I have countless encounters of people's kindness, and that really... Um, stuck with me mm. and I think like the powerfulness of this story is that kindness from this boy who didn't really care this was a wolf cub and you know with all the things that his father told him that you know wolves are dangerous they will eat mm. humans and all this type of things he didn't care mm. 
he just wanted to show compassion for this wolf cub. Right. Um, and I think that story just stuck with me, really. That's so. amazing. It's such a, <laughs> such a beautiful story. I, I'm going to have to get this book for myself, I think. Um, all right, last question. I, I would like you to tell me about when the last time you asked somebody for advice. I think it must have been you, actually. <laughs> Oh boy, that was not intentional. <laughs> but I'll take it. Go ahead. Ah, <laughs> uh, I, I don't know. I think it was. I think when we were chatting and we were talking, and um, mm. we were trying. I was trying to figure out what to do with um, a work situation I had. Okay, yeah. I think that was what it was. Either to walk away or not, and also like, what to do when you feel like people are starting to. F- see you differently Mm -hmm, mm um not as uh, not as a human being but as a as a a person that they want to compete with Uh, or someone that you that they feel a type of jealousy towards and 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 this kind of you you see like they feel threatened by you um and i started to feel that in some sense some certain people you know how they say things and say things to me and mm. you know receiving that text message and all this type mm. of thing i was trying to get my head around it and then i remember you saying like ignore them <laughs> 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 you know you really you need to you know you're gonna you're gonna open up your network you're going to mm. um meet more people and they, these are the people who's going to give you that energy and to kind of keep you moving on and mm. wants to progress with you as well um career wise and i think that was I think that was what it was, I think. Was it okay advice? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I'm um, terrified. You, were, you gave me this advice. It was it was complete garbage. And uh, okay, we're going to end the podcast on that note then. <laughs> no, I think, no, it was good. I think like yeah. for me, it just kind of, kind of reconfirmed some of the things that I had mm. in my mind, but I wasn't sure. But I think you have so much more personal experience and work experience mm. and how do you deal with difficult people. Oh, yeah. uh, and that is something... I'm still trying to figure out. Um, So hearing from you and learning from you helps me. I kind of, me repeating myself in the head, like, yeah. Yeah, Yeah. Anthony said this, you know, Mm. and I think he's right, you know, is Mm. is why would I want to spend my energy on this, you know, and on people who don't fulfill me and and it's, you know, what I'm trying to impress here, you know, what am I trying to to prove here, you Mm. know? and at the end of the day, I, I really don't need to prove myself. No. So that's kind of how I felt. So, no, it was good. I, I love talking to you, Anthony, as Aww. you know. <laughs> so. No, that's so. a good place to end this. <laughs> yeah. uh, I love talking to you too, come on. And this has been a real privilege of mine to be able to take this time to kind of pick you apart and look <laughs> at all the fun that, uh, that makes you up. And uh, you, you shared with us a lot of really amazing experiences that you've had and uh, the way you see the world around you. So thank you so much. Uh, and uh, yeah, thank you for listening to the podcast. Mm, thank you. <laughs>